Hello everyone and thank you for the download. It's Tuesday, July 6th, and this is episode 37 of the Marty Called Podcast. I'm Tim Grassy, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Assault Nasaki. How's it going, Josh? Well, it's 3.15 in the afternoon, so it's going differently than usually when we record, which is to say that I'm completely sober. We are pretty early. Uh, Skipper Ben, what's up, Ben? Happy Schmerz Day. Oh my god. (laughs) And Josh just left. Uh... (laughs) We are coming back to you uh, very quickly, at least for our standards. And the reason why, absolutely, 100%, is because Coco is going into Mickey's PhilharMagic. Suck it, Bergen! (laughs) Uh, Ben is doing a victory lap on Derek's grave. Uh, I think this means that both Ben and I somehow win an Ohana bet. Uh, I'm not really sure how the rules work on this, but I think that's safe to say, and most of our listeners would agree. Um... Uh, beyond that, I'm actually pretty pleased with this. I like updates to attractions like this and something that they should have been doing all along. Um, other than that, do you guys have any opinions on Coco going into Filler Magic? Nope. Can can they update the rest of the show film along with it? To- nope, nope, just that. Okay, because it is. I think it's going to be quite jarring to see this scene compared to the... Uh, Uh, 25-year-old CGI. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say the primitive CGI that's in the other parts of it. But, uh, you know, don't let let that stop them from uh, updating this attraction. I'm all for this. I think it's uh, a great song that they're building a scene around. I think it'll be a fun fun part in the show. But I do hope this maybe lends uh, itself to updating some of the CGI throughout the rest of it. Uh, I think the one thing that is fantastic about it though is it's an additional scene not a replacement scene right that's what they've said so let's hope they hold true to that that's that's cool uh because that has not been the mo for disney for you know cutting songs from the country bears cutting stuff from the tiki uh birds so for them to add to a show and make it actually longer is uh way different for these guys so kudos to them yes i think we've suggested even like a Star Tours type configuration where you have multiple first, second, third, fourth, fifth scenes in the uh, in the show. But uh, keeping it as a traditional film just by adding or even swapping out as uh, they often are one to do would still be a refreshing of it. Um, but I'm, I'm pleased that this is happening. Looking forward to seeing it. I guess we'll see it in California first and then Florida later on this year. Uh, Par- Paris first. Oh, uh, Paris first. Yeah, I thought it was Paris and California uh, this month. But. Possibly, I don't read. Every- I don't read full articles. I you just read the like headline. Ha- yeah. Yep. I kind of okay. stop there and then see what a couple people tweet reactions are, and then I call it a day. Okay, and then you form your opinion on that too, right? Exactly. Got it. Okay. And I record a <laughs> podcast about it. Yep. There you, there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, but this is this is one park down. Uh, so. Coco is in one park. He's got three more to go to. I do think eventually he'll be everywhere. Uh, yeah, I think so. And just dominate the world. So let's Biggest go. Biggest movie that Disney has ever made, right? Without a doubt. Yeah. Well, I, sorry. No, no, we, we misspoke. That and Solo. Uh, they're kind uh, of like neck and neck. Don't be knocking Solo. Don't do it. <laughs> Love that movie. Uh, additional news. The extra magic hours. Uh not in name only, have returned for deluxe resort guests, or will be returning for deluxe resort guests. Uh, Disney put it out there. Uh, A little bit more detail in the timeline of that early half hour for every resort guest, for every park, every day. Uh, I believe that begins October 1st. Um, And then they said that the extra magic hours or a version of those extra magic hours will return for deluxe resort guests and people staying at the villas. Uh, which I assume would include DBC, uh, yep. would 
would return. They didn't specify how many days per week, but the impression that I got was going to be a little bit less than what they had previously. But there might be a couple of days a week where you'd be able to go to a park for a few extra hours if you're staying at one of those deluxe resorts. So it definitely won't stop me from busting out my uh, hard blue credit card like DVC membership card. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just going to be flaunting the hell out of that thing as I walk around that extra hour at night, uh, you know, kind of like a backstage pass. It reminds me of a- uh, You do the Wayne's I'm, World I'm, thing? I, was, I might even do the Wayne's <laughs> World. Get it, put it on a lanyard and just be like, look, look, look. Uh, I have no problem with this, by the way. I I like that they're bringing back these hours. And yes, it's not uh, for everyone. But at the same time, I also don't mind if, if you pay for premium things. I do think you should get some premium options. And- this this fits into there. It's not an upcharge. It's just an additional deal to those who are paying a little bit more. It's it's not it's a perk for, for those for, people. For people who forked over tens of thousands of dollars, I don't think it's a big ask to let them feel good about it for a couple yep. hours a year. I yep. mean, that's that's a pretty minimal ROI in my opinion. Do you think this is potentially a precursor to uh, paid fast pass? Being oh, uh, being being like the fast pass would be the perk for those guests. Perhaps uh, replacing these. Uh, what are they calling it? Like I, I don't think they're calling it extra magic hours, but I'm going to call it that. Um, where paid fast pass is complimentary to the deluxe resort guests and villa guests. I don't think it'll be complimentary to those because okay. I think they already see that they're paying that much for a room. You know, the, if they if people can pay that price, they can pay a little bit more for the the fast pass. So. Sure. I, I think paid fast pass is coming down the line, whether we like it or not, one shape uh, or form. But I, I don't think that'll. I don't think you'll ever see a free. The like maybe the previous way fast pass was done. Maybe you get your three options. Maybe you get a very basic, basic minimum that would be free. But the true, if you want the full blown fast pass experience and have access to it to multiple attractions all day long, this and that, uh, that will always, I, I believe, will will come at a price uh, when that gets introduced. So there's been uh, some investigation done where the terminology that Disney is expected to use for whatever that evolution of FastPass becomes is Disney Premier Access. And whether that means a pre-booking component of it or uh, a significantly reduced distribution of it to select people that pay a premium for it, uh, that all remains to be seen to the public, but yeah. uh, it sounds like the name that they're going with is Disney Premier yeah. Access, which means that they're stepping away from that FastPass name. You uh, can't, you you absolutely can't charge for FastPass. You can't charge for something that had been free for decades. Yeah, so call so it something else. And you got to call it something. New. Yep, exactly. So they should call it XPass, uh, which uh, was the, <laughs> the, the, the the porn name. Anyway, I think um, also the FastPass idea is two theme par- or two like. Uh, amusement parky, you know. I okay. think they are really trying to move up market. I mean, they certainly are pricing wise. I don't know that we've seen the <laughs> the value coming along with it, but um, definitely seems to me that they are not shy about jacking up the price of everything and and excluding people from a lot of offerings. So I think they kind of want the nomenclature to go with it. Speaking of excluding people from offerings, there is a new episode of the E-Ticket Report out, and one Derek Bergen (laughs) and myself uh, were not invited on, despite what is said on there, and I am absolutely (laughs) furious, and that is all I'm going to say about that. Lawsuit is in the works. Yes. 
Uh, moving away from that, uh, we are doing our Hollywood Studios build out to 2035. Uh, we've done the first two episodes of these uh, with Magic Kingdom and Epcot. Clearly, my ideas were the best, and I assume that that will be the case this time around. But Ben and Josh are still sometimes capable of surprising me, so uh, it's worth listening to what they have to say as well. Today's not going to be that day for me, but <laughs> Okay, maybe just Ben then. Um <laughs> So, uh, refresher on the rules, we're doing a build-out until 2035. Uh, we can't relocate things. We can't eliminate a ride or substantial building unless it's been in place for 20 years. Uh, we are assuming the Toy Story restaurant is coming. I think that's really the only announced significant project for the Hollywood Studios uh, uh, park. And then our budget was $750 million to a billion. Um, as we were doing this, as we were approaching it, uh, I threw out the idea of whether or not we could use Wakanda, uh, Black Panther, as a, as a location. And uh, the the lawyer on, their sh- on our show chimes in with, uh, anything can be solved with money. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I kind of took that to, to heart. But at the same time, I'm of the opinion that uh, if Disney wanted to do this legally without a legal battle – uh, they could build Wakanda and they could use pretty much every character in Black Panther with the exception of Black Panther himself. So they couldn't use T'Challa. And the passing of Chadwick Boseman potentially gives them an out on that. So that's kind of what my assumption is, but we didn't limit ourselves should uh, any of us want to use uh, Wakanda or really anything else that could be acquired with with money um, on these on these themes. So. Uh, with that, I don't know, Ben. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Uh, Josh has already said he's uh, bringing up the uh, the caboose, so uh, I can I can go first. Uh, <laughs> right. Kick it off. So, well, mine's pretty easy because, as we all know, and I've talked about on this podcast before, this is the perfect park already. For sing along. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I might kind of shoehorn two it. now. Two. Or three, we get two in that park. <laughs> I might shoehorn a sing along or two in, uh, but you know. In my opinion, I, this park's perfect as it is. So I'm going to take this billion dollars. I'm going to send it over to Epcot to fix Epcot. <laughs> so Epcot now gets two billion dollars, and we'll just go with this park until 2035 as is. At 50 million per sing along, how many? <laughs> <laughs> 20 more sing alongs in Epcot. Uh, you know what? People didn't completely crap on my sing along ideas. In the, uh, <laughs> I'm looking it, forward it, to the Tomorrow's Child sing along that you're going to put in the Spaceship <laughs> Post Show. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to convert Hollywood Studios into the park Epcot always should be. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, that's just to piss off Josh. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> all right. So, it, this one was a little bit weird for me because there has been so much added to this park over the last few years that, you know, by, by process of elimination, you would think this park doesn't get a lot addressed over the next. Uh, but 14 years is a long time, and while we like, we throw out ridiculous budgets, a billion dollars over 14 years in any one of these theme parks is not actually a lot of money. To be fair, though, 14 years is like two construction cycles for Tron. Yes, it's two Coast projects, projects. So it's two right. moderate size. Yeah. That's no <laughs> joke. <laughs> Universal will be on their seventh gate by the time that the, the second wave of rides go into any of this. I saw yep. something today that from announcement with a with a pandemic delaying it to opening the build time for Epic Universe very well maybe shorter than Pandora or <laughs> Tron. <laughs> 
Oh, the comedy just writes itself. Yes. And uh, we have the Ratatouille doctrine standing for the proposition that they might finish Tron and not even open it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, it's nothing, true. Nothing to see here. We're going to save this for 2040 just in case. <laughs> Go right it Speedway. Go <laughs> right. Are we closer to the 60th than with the 50th at this point? Do we yeah, I might as well just hold it for another 10 years. <laughs> but uh, I, I said, so I'm going to start here. I want to start with the least offensive because I have a couple ideas that Josh might just close his computer and not talk. Your Hall of Religion idea that you had a few episodes ago is not going to happen. But <laughs> I don't really care about this park that much, so you're not going to hurt my feelings here. My pain came last episode. But I, there's there's maybe like one or two things you're like, oh, you asshole. That, he could you know, add great movie writer and remove it just to piss you off. Oh, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> uh. So the first thing I think needs to be done at some point is I, I want to add a third ride to Galaxy's Edge. Okay. Uh, there was, you know, it's supposed to be rumored to start with a third ride, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the Bantha ride that went away, which I just think is freaking awesome. I would absolutely love to see Banthas walking around was there. Was it but a Bantha? I feel that it was another creature that looked like a Bantha, but they just to it be might have been, but called it, it something yeah, else. It very, very well could have been. But we've seen some of the <laughs> yeah, footage yeah. on the Imagineering story. We've seen the concepts and what they wanted to do. It looked cool. Yeah. Uh, but with the budget cuts, I also have a feeling that like the pathway that the elevated pathway that it was going to walk on, like all of that was just taken away. Yeah, so I don't think the infrastructure is there for it. The infrastructure is not there at all. So there needs to be a third ride there. I'm not talking uh, Rise of the Resistance level. I'm not yeah. even necessarily talking Millennium uh, Smuggler's Run level. It just needs That wasn't a cheap something. ride either. So. No, no. But, you know, it, but I don't think this area lends itself to – a a dark ride of any kind. Like it can't okay. be some simple, basic standard theme park attraction. Like it's got to have some innovation to it. It's got to look, look a little different, but we're not looking to spend, uh, you know, half a billion dollars on, on this. So I don't have the concept. I don't have the idea necessarily. I just know something needs to go there at some point. So we're going to spend, I don't know, somewhere a hundred million dollars to do something, to something, Something, yes. <laughs> I think we all took a similar approach to this because I've got a couple of things like that where we see an, we see an area that needs addressing and just just throw some money at the problem. <laughs> yep. Yep, got it. The second thing I want to do is, uh, as I've talked in the past, I love this park. I loved how this park opened. I loved the behind the scenes what? of the park. You love how this park opened? I did love how this parked open. I love the tours. I loved the behind okay, the scenes okay, okay. stuff. That okay. the, the the premise and the idea of how this park was originally set to be. I loved it. Uh, and what was interesting back then is they built all these sound stages. They built all this stuff, but they didn't have any productions to put yeah. in there. So they were making right. up things. But now that was kind of the point I was going to interject there. Yeah. Is that the, yeah. it was you know an Eisner fucking fake out basically but <laughs> yeah and the interesting thing now is the one they've lost all that studio space they've lost everything that that was originally there when the park opened but now they have this massive you know streaming company and production is at the forefront of what this company does uh uh now so you can't put back the sound stages i'm not talking about they're going to move and shoot you know the mandalorian in Hollywood studios. That'll never happen. Uh, but what they could do is go back on some of the original ideas. And what I want to do is take the space that the frozen sing-along is in, okay. uh, 
And I might even transfer over into the Mickey Shorts area that used to be Sounds Dangerous. And I yep. want to put back in two original concepts, something that was similar to the Superstar Television and the Munster Sound Show in those two spots. And the reason, especially on the Superstar Television side, is the way that The Mandalorian is shot on these high-definition digital screens. You can now create these settings and these places on a stage and... I, I think that you could actually have, you know, recreate scenes of you acting in The Mandalorian, you acting in these oh, yeah, various definitely. Disney Plus shows. Uh, and so this essentially what this area could be, and I'm shocked they haven't actually maybe done this yet, is this can be an attraction slash promotional area for their streaming service that is going to be the backbone of this company for the next 15 years, or at least they're, they're hoping that it is. So uh, I like that a lot. Yeah, I want to. I want to take that sing along stage, gut it out, put one of those. See, listen, mat- I told you Ben occasionally has good ideas. <laughs> Just you hold say, on. You, you I gotta, always I gotta, say I gotta, now. <laughs> <laughs> but from from whether it's uh, the Mandalorian, any of the Marvel shows, all the way to High School Musical stuff like this, pull people oh, out of the favorite. crowd, let them let them interact with these things. I, I don't know anybody that didn't love Superstar Television. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was a blast. And same with the, the Monster Sound Show. You could do something over there where you're putting digital effects uh, in, in a show. But going back on that, how this stuff is created, I don't – even though this park has turned into the IP park, mm-hmm. I still think that you can show the magic of how these IPs are are made and, and put in front of you for you to enjoy. So it's a small footprint. It's a little bitty area, but you could do some really cool stuff uh, – with this area, and of course, I would say, like with the digital screen, they can update the show uh, yearly as new shows come out, which means that they'll never update the show, and it'll be the same uh, Disney Plus things that, that start in there f- when, when it first launches all the way through. So, uh, I think just, that, I mean, in that superstar television cons, uh, construct, uh, just putting somebody in a uh, stormtrooper outfit, you could do that yep. as part of a show, and that would be a highlight of anybody's vacation. And so. and as shows come, you know, super easy, right? If it was up going right now, there'd be The Mandalorian. But come yep. December, when Book of Boba Fett launches, all of a mm-hmm. sudden we add the Boba Fett scene. And you have Boba Fett walk up there and you're interacting with Boba Fett. People are laughing. They're enjoy- enjoying it. It's fun. Uh, but you also th- – those I don't know if you've seen those screens in person or how they work. Uh, I have some friends that have I, I been read in the around those, of them, and but it's amazing. Them. Yeah. They're absolutely amazing. Like it's 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 as if you were in that spot, all done on a, a on a screen. The the, the depth. Uh, you add a few, few physical props in front of the screen, and all of a sudden, it just really uh, changes that. And so it it's, works. Yeah. It's again taking that superstar television idea and, and bringing it back. So, and I don't think it would to be super expensive to add this to that area. Um, so easy fix right there. Now we'll get into a couple of my bigger prices, bigger so this price was, points. This was all over in like what is now currently Echo Lake in the Mickey Shorts area. And mm-hmm. are you, you're taking out the old Superstar Theater as well to do this? Yes. That's, yeah. well, that's well, where Frozen is right now? Frozen, yeah. And you're not even taking that theater out. Leave the seats in. Leave all that Got stuff it. in Got there. You're, just, you're gutting that stage and putting a new stage setting in. So gotcha. super easy, super fast, and relatively inexpensive. Yeah. Not, not like your $300 million theater from Magic Kingdom? Well, we could add one of those here. Josh, okay. you want another $300 million? Theater? Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to put that in Galaxy's Edge. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the the animation courtyard, to me, needs major addressing. Yep. Uh, 
and the area that leads from Animation Courtyard through back over to kind of the Pixar place and back in, going into Toy Story. Yep. It needs just a major overhaul, overhaul and it needs a connective concept. Okay. I don't want one thing put here, one thing put here, one thing put there. I think it needs uh, a, a an overarching concept that would incorporate attraction, incorporate some dining, incorporate some shopping, uh, incorpor- incorporate some character meet and greets. Uh, and what I'm going to do over here is I am going to go to another Pixar property and I'm going to put Metroville in okay. uh, from the Incredibles. And this is going to be the Incredibles area. The, the animation building uh, is going to be converted into a major Incredibles e-ticket attraction. So all those uh, people that were demanding $700 rooms at the Contemporary get an Incredibles overlay, they're going to be thrilled with this. Mm. And the monorail is going to connect to it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I want to do I want to do a uh, a big because I think the Incredibles lends itself to a big e-ticket attraction. I agree. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah. And ride wise, I think it could be along the lines of something that's Indiana Jones uh, dinosaur type idea. Uh, You're in a car going scene to scene, chasing a bad guy, chasing syndrome, chasing new villains, whatever you want to do. Maybe it starts off even men in blackish where you're kind of going through a training process and and Wasn't all of a sudden kuka arm concept for the incredibles at one point men They're in blackish might be the best crossover title for a movie that you've actually ever suggested <laughs> there you go is blackish a abc property it is a abc property oh there you go <laughs> and by the way one of the best disney world uh yeah episodes. that was a great one yeah that was a fantastic one i go back and watch it before every one of our trips because it's it's a super super awesome episode if you haven't seen it Go go check out the Disney World episode of Blackish, uh, but I I think you could Kook Arm would be awesome. I just don't know if we uh, I guess our lawyer saying yeah, that you well. can buy anything, <laughs> uh, so maybe maybe we can get that contract broken with uh, Universal to use it. What but. I technically said is that I was willing to do it because it was only their money that was at risk and not mine. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I think it could be fun where you're like maybe starting off going through a training session uh, yeah. and then something happens and you have to bust out through the back wall and all of a sudden you're in the middle of a major battle and helping the Incredibles save the day. Uh, so that that's going to be my major deal there. You There's do some have to things look at- there that just kind of lend themselves to major, large scale show scenes as well that yep. uh, could be pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Disney Junior. Uh, whatever the dance party, whatever the hell they're yep. calling it these days. You know, that used to be a quick service restaurant uh, yep. in Buffet at one point. So I think you it's obviously got some access to kitchens. I know the cast member dining hall is right behind that uh, yep. uh, wall there. You also have the connectivity to the Brown Derby. So I don't think it would take too much to maybe bring some of that stuff back online. You could put your quick service dining here uh, over in uh, where Voyage of the Little Mermaid is. You could either convert that to a meet and greet area with Edna Mode, or if you had the budget to do it, do some kind of stage show with Edna Mode okay. uh, where where you are being outfitted. You know, pick a guest or two that that goes on stage and they're getting outfitted for their for their costume uh, to become a superhero. So uh, and they had that very, very small Edna mode meet and greet, uh, for about a year back. Yeah. In Pixar place. And it, and it was fantastic. We went to it and it was an absolute blast. Uh, the, the, the way the theme, the line was themed out with all her concepts and her designs and things like that before you finally got to meet her. It was, it was really cool. So you could either recreate that in a much larger space and do a 
pretty cool meet and greet with the Incredibles and Edna and all the characters in that area. Or like I said, if you had the budget to do a little bit more, but Metroville lends itself to being a, an area, obviously being a cityscape. So you could do city buildings, you could do shops in and out, be super easy to blend that area right into Toy Story Land uh, and just kind of continue the Pixar theme through that back area and give that area a reason to be there now. Because uh, right now it's just wasted space, in my opinion. I think there's a lot that can be done with that animation courtyard area. Um, and there's some there's some stuff that can be relocated behind it that would connect it to the rock and roller coaster courtyard. Excuse yep. me. Uh, I have that as a component of, uh, of what I'm doing where I make a connection between the two. And if you're going to do a full on Incredibles area, uh, you have a ton of space to work with. If you want to like get rid of the, what is now the star Wars uh, launch bay, um, yep. you can kind of really connect a, a lengthy path there that I know has been talked about in the past. I think that was the uh, the theoretical. No, that wasn't where the door coaster was going to go. Never mind. The door coaster, I think, is going to go where the third track for Toy Story went. Um, okay, but anyway, that that's definitely an area of development that uh, that they that they will pre- presumably use in the next ten to fifteen years. I think Animation Courtyard is the next logical spot to expand that park. So yeah, and I figure if I'm spending three hundred million on a theater at Magic Kingdom, I could probably do this in like four to five hundred million uh, in this area. So now uh, you said you you've got a, a major e ticket. Uh, are you thinking like a couple of smaller show type things, or is the e ticket going to be the anchor of like a mini land for for Metroville? Yeah, the 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 only secondary attraction would be possibly an Edna Mode showed over in the gotcha. Voyager Little Memory area, or we make that a really really themed character meet and greet spot so yeah it's going to be the one attraction some dining some shopping and then the secondary either being a, a meet and greet or a, or a interactive show josh who's your favorite character from the incredibles uh what's that bendy girl's name i kind of like that idea <laughs> good answer good answer i think she's uh i think she's a little too young for you though oh uh, no no elastigirl would be the uh yeah uh the mother so yeah. it's uh, an the, old the, it's an old franchise i mean she's yeah. she's aged yeah it's true no it, uh elastigirl's the mother i was thinking that elastigirl was uh was violet's character but anyway yeah i don't want to send the wrong message here this is <laughs> adult fictitious you- animated flexible gumby <laughs> characters only <laughs> gotta be very clear here all right uh, so- <clears throat> oh go ahead no no go go ahead continue so this is going to take me to my big build out and the big okay. change uh, and the part that Josh might get mad at me about. But I think at some point, and You're maybe pizza Rizzo, aren't you? Uh, it deserves its own land. <laughs> Ugh, vomit land. <laughs> are we, how many times are we eating there, Tim, uh, on our trip that day? Twice. You can two- eat there as many times as you want. I will grab something from a nearby restaurant and join you there. They should oh make goodness. Pizza Rizzo the queue to Mission Space so that you can put it in and then get it out. <laughs> it's not really Eva- that close to Toy Story Land, but I haven't tried the uh, evacuating. Like the, the we got a billion dollars. I feel like we could pull this off. <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, obviously, we would move the ride and not build a restaurant next to the existing attraction. True. Um. So Pizza Rizzo build out. No, no pizza is a build-up. Uh, 800 so million. <laughs> I think at some point, and again, it's probably closer to ne- – sooner rather than later, 
Disney is going to get real sick of paying for IPs that they don't own. And he's coming for the tower. There's two at this. And I, can I preface this that I do <sighs> not want this. I love the Tower of Terror. I love Rock and Roller Coaster. Love them both. Uh, do, I do not want this at all. But one is a far superior attraction to the other. Just saying. Well, one I was there for opening. I was there for the grand opening. I work security uh, for Aerosmith. I, I've got a personal connectivity to Rock and Roller Coaster that Tower I don't may want. have a stay of execution. By the way, but continue. I I I would hope so. But again, I'm. This isn't me. This is the the Disney company and build outs. And if they had their way, this is what I think they would do. And I think this corner of the park would eventually turn into they're they're dipping their toes over at Epcot with with Guardians to see how much they can get away with and how how much they can push the envelope on the uh, character rights. But I do think that this is your Marvel area down the line at okay. the Hollywood Studios. Uh, I think turning the Tower of Terror into a Doctor Strange uh, sanctum is just too easy. We're uh, fairly certain that they can do that, too. There's no precedent for this. <laughs> no, none whatsoever. <laughs> uh, I think it's a super easy change uh, for them to do if and when they decide to do it. So, so as I much as I hate this. Like the well, this one would be wouldn't be forced uh, on them, or at least they wouldn't feel forced to do it. Like compared to Splash Mountain and um, Princess and the Frog, where I think they're they're eyeing the times as a as a reason behind it. With with this, I think you're right that it is a it is a logical choice, and I would hate every second of it. And I love Doctor yep. Strange. Yep. Uh, but I just yeah, <laughs> this is a tough one for me to swallow. Yeah. Uh, at least they would have Joe Rody to be there to go over this one like they did in ben, California. Ben, to, ben, what? I, I, what? I, I, huh? What? He, he's, 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 not, he's going to Mars. He's not even with the company anymore. Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, crap. What are we going to do? No, Zach, no. Zach Ridley's got it. You can look at the new floors. <laughs> uh, he's gonna, is, is he taking over Gary Sinise's role over at uh, Mission Space? No, Joe they actually Rody put the Lee. Gary Sinise animatronic into <laughs> Hall of Presidents and made it Biden, I think, is what they're doing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, we've got Doctor Strange going in the tower. Uh, okay. I think it, I think at some point they're going to be tired of Aerosmith and whatever check they cut them uh, every year. Uh, yeah, that Aerosmith, I would be shocked if Aerosmith is still there in 2035. Yep. <laughs> both so, uh, both in, in real life as well as... I was going to say, there's a definite <laughs> follow-up joke there. <laughs> in theme park uh, uh, lands. And I've said this for years, as they've... By 2035, Liv Tyler and Steven Tyler will be absolutely indistinguishable from one another, <laughs> I suspect. What's the uh, Dennis uh, Dennis Leary line about he's turning into his own grandmother? Yep. <laughs> I've said this for years on the movies, as, you know, a lot of times when, when they announce their movies, there is some there has been some head-scratching over the years. I'm like, why are they doing that property it's not a it's not a major character it's not a major selling deal i i think everything they've done in the films was to gauge interest in characters build interest in characters that they could eventually do something in the parks with knowing that the restrictions that they have with with universal this also goes in the comics as well which which will be about my third attraction coming up um but i think they would look to see maybe doing something with ant-man over here at okay. rock and roller coaster you could turn this into pim labs and the coaster itself would be sending you through the quantum realm uh, with with Wasp and Ant Man, and I think you could, 
I think this actually makes a lot of sense. So the launch tunnel and everything, the way that in yeah, the that, film that works. They, yeah, you, you you've got the you've got the tunnel going through there, and then you're flying. You know, put some digital screens, put some stuff in there that could make it seem like you're flying through the quantum realm with Ant Man and Wasp. So this is uh, one where you'd probably have a bigger legal battle. Um, yep. But I, I think, I mean, again, we are operating as if these things can be solved with money, and I don't yep. think you're factoring that into any of your uh, uh, your budgeting for it. So nope. it's just yeah. That's uh, lawyer. Lawyer bills are outside of budgets. Yep. So, <laughs> I wish uh, that were true. <laughs> so we got we got Doctor Strange. They're all we on got, retainer. It doesn't count, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how that works? Sweet. Yes. I'm gonna. Sit. I have to call all my clients. Good news. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next spot that I would do, you've got you've got the Hollywood Theater uh, with Beauty and the Beast, which I think, you know. They they put uh, the show's fine. It hasn't been updated in forever. It's st- it looks like it's straight out of you you're going to piss off Derek again. This is like his I, favorite show. Well, Derek can go listen to the e ticket then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he I, I like the theater. Uh, it's way too hot in the summer though. Uh, yeah. it, it's it sucks for many months out of the year. Uh, but then behind that you have. Something that I don't know what they're planning on doing, but if you look at the overhead photos of it right now, <laughs> it looks like it's rotted away to absolutely nothing. But you got the Fantasmic Theater. Yep. And so you've got this large footprint of land. If you take everything walking back towards Fantasmic, if you take the Hollywood uh, Theater, that if you're turning this into a Marvel area, that theater, uh, as its current purpose, doesn't make a whole lot of sense at all. And again, we're going with characters that they've created in the comics that could maybe get around loopholes. Uh, yep. Steve Rogers, Captain America, is obviously taken up by that contract, but there was a reason that they went with uh, Sam Sam's Wilson's The Falcon turning into Captain America, mm-hmm. uh, because that does create a new character and new Captain America, which, you know, maybe gets in the gray area a little bit. And The Falcon, maybe you don't even use... Captain America's name at all. You use Sam Wilson's name, but this is yep. going to be his recruitment area for the Falcon flight. And he's recruiting the new Falcons uh, to take over his role. And we're going to put in a Pandora flight of passage type attraction over in this area. We're going to make a large show building. We're going to take up that whole area. And this is you going on a mission with Captain America, Sam Wilson himself flying as the Falcon, uh, the only reason I'm doing this and cloning this over there is because Flight of Passage still to this day has had such a – it's so popular. Uh, can it, you it, build it, more than four theaters for it? I think you can build more than four theaters for it. Sure. Why not? Um, 26 that, theaters. <laughs> 12,000 an hour. We can go through six theaters over here. Uh, Flight of Passage, the, based on my research that I looked, had like a $500 million budget to it. Uh, that's that, the best. My, that was for the entire land. I, I'm guessing that Flight of Passage itself is probably closer to three. Though well, I have this budgeted at three because the, yeah. I saw some numbers that showed the whole land more than 500. But I also and, yeah. and I figured a lot of that was also the covering of the show building, uh, the rock work, everything. You don't need that kind of extensive stuff here. You can they go had with to a, come up with an anti gravity machine, so you yep, had that yep. issue. Uh, here you can go with something as simple as a shield headquarters. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's a less interesting architecture. Yeah, it's less interesting, but it also saves a lot of money that you can put more into stuff on the inside and the attraction itself. So uh, that's I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a flight of passage type ride over here, okay. uh, which 
if you were to do what I said right here and add that Incredibles E ticket, add a flight of passage type ride uh, to go along with what they've added over the last couple of years, you would have a pretty badass theme park, in my opinion. So your your net gain of two major attractions, uh, as well as two, uh, sorry, three, two major attractions, one, I guess, C slash D ticket over at Star Star Wars yep. Land, and a couple of rethemes um, for something that I think we're all expecting to be rethemed in Rock and Roller Coaster, and then one that uh, we're a reluctant participant in in uh, in, in Ben hates Disney classics uh, yep. <laughs> game of armchair imagineering. So okay. You're, uh, so, uh, you're getting some bang I, for your buck. I'm right at about a billion dollars okay. uh, for what I'm thinking at here. So, uh, which is a lot to uh, again. It's for the next what, 14 years. It's a lot to invest, but they it, they've yep. they've done so much to this park already that you don't need the other parks. It seemed like we'd add, needed to add a lot of attractions to really get things up to the level that they need to. Uh, this park is coming in different, where they've done a lot of that f- for us already. Yeah. Uh, and now we're just adding on to basically, you know, maybe pull crowds away, pull some of those people back over down the Sunset Boulevard area, uh, try to try to lighten the crowds uh, through Toy Story and and uh, Galaxy's Edge, like how heavy they can get these days. So you just got looking to spread the wealth out a little bit. And I think these concepts and ideas help do that. The areas of uh, change or need for change in Hollywood studios are pretty pretty obvious. And I'm going to hit on a lot of the same areas that you're talking about. Um, and I'm guessing Josh will as well uh, when he identifies some of the issues that he sees. Uh, so I, that in itself makes it kind of a more uh, blank piece of paper uh, mm-hmm. uh, idea. Um, the, th- the question I was going to ask, and then I kind of answered it myself, how are you going to go about transitioning from old Hollywood to a Marvel area Oh wait, they've already done that. Yeah, it's oh. done. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. In California, and I think that the Hollywood Land area of California, relative to uh, Hollywood Studios, is an it, the, the Hollywood Studios entrance is a substantially better version of that. Mm-hmm. But um, the transition, uh, especially if you're going with modern buildings, yes, there's like a sixty year architecture gap, but it's not a rough transition. Uh, yeah, all things considered, and so. you know, I I still don't mind the entrance of this park, and even the the first little bit down Sunset Boulevard. Uh, I think all that could stay the same to where it does have that feel of you're you know welcome to Hollywood kid type deal, right? Uh, right. As a and as you walk through this, you're not in Hollywood. You're in those stories that Hollywood tells you about, and just kind of slowly pushes you into these sections. Uh, that way that that doesn't seem incredibly offensive to me. I would be okay with, with kind of that stuff staying as is. I'm not intending to assume that you're over, but that would transition to how I want to uh, kind of identify the problems uh, that I saw with the park. I'm I'm done. I just would like to note that out of all of my stuff, just to be fair, the thing that I would love to see done the most is the superstar television concept. So okay. I know I talked big a cool about- concept. Yeah, I talked big about some of the other ideas and thoughts and retheming classic rides, but- the one that I want the most is probably the simplest one to do, and it brings back a touch of the original uh, MGM Studios uh, to us. And it makes more sense now to do that 
now than it ever had before. Uh, everything that was in that show before and the stuff that they used to do, the backstage tours, they had no, they didn't own any of those properties. They didn't benefit by showcasing those shows in any of their rides or attractions. Right, right. Now they actually can. And so it's, it may be a bit infomercial esque, but, uh, why not? You know, the, 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 and, and these shows that they would be doing stuff around have shown to be incredibly popular. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be very offensive to us to, to see some things brought to the park based around stuff that they're looking to get you to, you know, pay and watch and see. So, uh, that would also fit in what I was going to do in that area. So I, I may just steal it from you. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it. the, uh, I, I looked at the studios, I think very similarly to Ben. Um, I always look for whatever the unifying theme is supposed to be for the park. And I've said it on countless podcasts that I love the, the line in the dedication plaque of Hollywood studios that says it's the Hollywood that never was and always will be. It's a very broad, uh, uh, concept. And I think they're slowly working towards identifying what that is or re re-identifying or redefining what that is. Um, there are areas in this park in Toy Story and Star Wars that you are going into a movie set. You're, uh, when you're in those lands, you are in Andy's backyard. You are on Batuu. Uh, similarly, when, uh, you go down Hollywood Boulevard and Sunset Boulevard and a little bit of Echo Lake, you are in Hollywood in the thirties, forties and fifties. You're not in a production area. Um, but I think there are other things in the park that exist outside of those types of constructs. So uh, the Echo Lake area has some of the production side of things still remaining in both uh, Indiana Jones and I think to a lesser extent Muppets. But I think Muppets is self-aware of the production side of things that previously existed in the park. And Rock and Roller Coaster is on an island by itself in that park. It doesn't really fit on Sunset Boulevard thematically. Um, and I don't think... I mean, you could talk about you're going to a movie studio as conceptually part of uh, the park when it was built. But um, the other the other lasting thing that I had that's currently in the park is I think Star Tours. Star Tours is a problem. I think when they built Galaxy's Edge, they were originally going to incorporate it into it. Uh, and they just left it on an island by itself, similar to Rock and Roller Coaster. Um, there are ways that we've discussed in the past about how to possibly integrate Star Tours into Galaxy's Edge. Uh, but... Uh, I'll, I'll bury the lead here. I'm getting rid of it in what I want to do. Um, and it, it's not something, it's not an attraction that I hate by any means. It's actually something that since it's been updated, I find myself doing a lot more than the original version. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's time has come. Those types of simulators are more dated compared to what we have now. And as cool as Star Tours is with the uh, different possible uh, ride variations, uh, I just think that it's time has come. Uh, so I think I'd like to interject one thing on there. Sure. Uh, I totally agree on the ride technology, but I think the islands thing that you mentioned, if there's any, if there's ever a park where the company can be forgiven for just having sort of a, uh, you know, something that doesn't fit thematically with the area around it, I think this is the park where that should That's happen. Fair. And That's I'll fair. get into that more when I talk about my thoughts, but. Um, I definitely think that if there's ever a place where they could just be free to stick something there, even though it doesn't fit, this is the place. And, you know, without a good idea to replace what's there, I don't just want to see them gut things. Okay. No, I, I get what you're saying. And uh, I do have replacements for these things. I'm not just removing Star Tours because I don't think it fits. I've got a replacement okay. for it. Um, so a couple of other things that uh, I want to do, and this is going to be relatively similar to what Ben said. So over in Galaxy's Edge, 
I've got a total budget of all of this of $30 million. And what I'm doing is a moving Jedi training academy over there. Um, I feel that there's enough area where if you need to remove a spaceship, um, like they have Kylo Ren's ship <laughs> there. And while that's an iconic uh, thing from the most recent movies, I also want to rid that land of the Episode Eight timeline. So if you remove that ship, you can conceivably put the Jedi Training Academy in that location. Um, and then, so I didn't think that that would be a pricey thing to do at all. Uh, you really just need a backstage area and a bunch of, uh, you know, $4 plastic lightsabers to do it. Um, so I, I budgeted $5 million for it, but I don't think that's really even that costly a production. Can't you just move it with the force? I mean, I you, feel you like could, this should be a self-solving problem. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing I, I put in here as well was a new video for Smuggler's Run. Um, and it seems way too obvious to not have that attraction take you through the Kessel Run. Um, so I budgeted $25 million for an update to that, and I based that on what we learned was the Mission Space update budget of $15 million. So bumped it up a little bit. If that's a little bit uh, uh, too low, I, I came in about $100 million shy of our billion-dollar cap. So uh, I think there's room there. But I th- I, I agree with Ben uh, in that it probably needs a third attraction in Galaxy's Edge, but uh, that's not where I spent my, my money. So... Uh, I think putting Jedi Training Academy there, removing the Episode Eight timeline to allow for more characters to appear there uh, would go a long way to just improving the ambiance of that land as well. So uh, the next thing I want to do goes over to the Echo Lake area. And this uh, I do also want to lean back into the production side of things. Um, so, Ben, I really like your idea for uh, taking that Mickey Theater uh, area and pro- possibly even the um, Frozen Sing-Along area. But I'm going to stick with what I originally planned here because I also like the idea of Hollywood Studios being able to constantly be the place for new intellectual property. So, shows like the Frozen Sing-Along, uh, to a lesser extent, over at uh, Beauty and the Beast, you have theaters built out. Why not make those shows uh rotate every five to ten years but on top of rotating shows uh we were introduced and we've talked about on the show the idea of a black box ride um so (laughs) when i replace star tours i'm going to completely remove the ride system and that's where i'm going to put a black box ride uh and what i want to do with that ride is lean into the fact that the surrounding areas um the stunt show as well as muppets talk about the production side of things and when you're going through the queue, you're going to talk about how uh, the, the attraction is almost going to be self-aware of the fact that it's not a permanent fixture in the park. And it's going to show how Disney uh, has has redone things where they've taken over an existing uh, existing area and done an overlay to it. Like uh, over at uh, Superstar Limo in California Adventure where they repurposed animatronics. I mean, there's YouTube videos on how to do that. So kind of go over how they... Uh, uh, are <laughs> economically responsible is not really a, an accurate thing for describing Disney, but just kind of talk about that. And then as this ride uh, changes, you can uh, circle back to previous versions of what was there. So um, what I want to do is an initial build of $200 million in that area with an, with an update, both taking place in the 14-year timeline that we've got. So that's where I said, Ben, that like that entire Echo Lake area, 
as a production area would certainly lend itself to your idea of uh, like a superstar television esque show in that area as well. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I think with a black box, this was something I was thinking about putting in as well. That did really find my list spot. as well. Yeah, in my area, what but with the black box concept, especially if it was built around new IPs and yeah. new things that they're featuring, uh, the queue itself could be almost like a uh, a little museum of yeah, uh, you exactly. know costumes and and things that they use in the the, the set pieces, things like that. Like a great always, movie ride type. Cute. Yeah, I, I loved that stuff uh, back when they had those in the parks. You know, the the backlot tour used to exit into the AFI uh, large space that they just had yeah, yeah, yeah. different costumes from Pirates of the Caribbean to uh, anything across the board. That I always loved taking my time walking through there. So yeah, if you that would be neat to have the black box that would be interchangeable, put stuff in and out, but also making sure like the queue area could be rethemed and bring in those pieces that people want to see that, that uh, costumes from these shows and stuff for the attraction that you're about to experience. I think that'd be cool. Exactly. So that, I mean, that's, that's the sentiment for it. I think when we first heard the concept of it on the show, we talked about it and liked the idea. Uh, and I'm not going to go through the entire timeline because I have other things I want to discuss, but I figure that that's something that you, you start almost immediately with a goal of opening it in 2025. And then, uh, at the end of our, uh, timeline, I said a replacement sometime in the 2033 to 2035 time, time frame. And I didn't specify whatever IP they wanted to use. I mean, the most recent movies were Luca and Raya and the Last Dragon, um, which I haven't seen either one of them. So I can't really say whether or not they would lend themselves to even a, uh, a trackless ride, which is what I was suggesting they would do. Uh, and to your point on that technology that they used for Mandalorian, it's possible that they incorporate a lot of those digital screens into this facility to to change things out just that much quicker. I mean, yep. it's no secret that if they were to ever build one of these black box attractions, it's going to be very screen heavy. Uh, there's no way around it if you want to swap things out quickly. And yes, you can have static props and uh, maybe a handful of animatronics, but it's going to be largely screen dominated. And you look over at Ratatouille, that's screen dominated with a lot of uh, static props, but no no animatronics in it. So that's a type of attraction you got to expect. But to yeah. go in and get a refresh, you know, every eight to 10 years for uh, significantly less than a new attraction is is kind of the reason and, well, and logic behind it. And so. for anybody who hasn't doesn't know what we're talking about with the Mandalorian stuff, just go on Disney Plus and watch some of the behind the scenes on yep. those episodes. I think you'd be shocked to see what was a digital screen and what was a physical set from the show that you watched. The the, the technology is amazing, and right now we've only seen it uh, in this setting. I know of some sports that have looked at how they could incorporate it uh, to okay. get better uh, depth perception uh, in some of their productions, and we haven't seen it come to the theme parks yet, and I think it's a technology that uh, is just built for theme parks. I, I know everybody always craps on screen base, but when screen ba- when screens are done right, Mm. And uh, they can be very, very effective. Uh, what we don't want to see is a big movie screen in front of us, all uh, our car moving back and forth. But when with something like this that can give that depth and that realism to a, a space, an area and a space, uh, I think it could be incredibly effective across many, many different attractions. So go on Disney Plus, check out some of the behind the scenes of The Mandalorian, and you'll get a better idea uh, of what we're referring to for some of these ideas that we've talked about today. Right, right. No, and uh, so so to that point, 
Um, I, I like the idea of having attractions in the studios to be things that can be regularly refreshed. So uh, I, I really like the idea of a theater district in that park, but the park's kind of already set up for it. We identified some of them over at Beauty and the Beast, uh, Frozen, even the Mickey Shorts Theater, where uh, you could you know give a, a show devoted to whatever the latest movie is a three or four year run and just kind of cycle it around the various theaters. Um, and I've got I built some of that into uh, my my long term planning because something like the Frozen Theater that was set up as a temporary show and they made it a permanent one. Beauty uh-huh. and the Beast uh, has been rumored for replacement for a decade plus now. Um, but I also don't uh, dislike Ben's idea of a more permanent solution, but an updatable show with uh, with that technology as well. But something with those theaters, the way that I wrote it out was I had a, Mi- a Mickey Shorts Theater replacement in 2030, a Frozen Singalong replacement in 2029. And I actually, one of the first things I wanted to do was swap out Beauty and the Beast and I think the long-standing rumor was tangled, but I've decided that I want to do a Mary Poppins show there because uh, its its attraction got uh, got cut from Epcot, and you could do a Mary Poppins uh, uh, show in about forty-five minutes over at the Beauty and the Beast Theater. So yep. uh, that's a that's a substantial show. I th- I don't think anybody would really complain about it. I also think timeline-wise, while it's in. Uh, 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 Europe and not in uh, the U.S. Uh, it's still uh, timing-wise not far off from where uh, uh, Sunset Boulevard is. Um, so, so adding Mary Poppins there was something that I wanted to do right away. Uh, so I've got a Mary Poppins attraction or a Mary Poppins theater show going into the Beauty and the Beast uh, area, and then the the big thing that I'm doing, and I tease it at the front of this, is Wakanda. So. Beginning at uh, Rock and Roller Coasters Courtyard and going to Animation Courtyard, we're knocking some buildings down and we're building out Wakanda. Um, as uh, as Council has advised me, we can negotiate <laughs> some some rights to this. But we also uh, the other hiccups that I faced here was they just built a theater right next to Rock and Roller Coaster, and if I want to connect the two, I have to come up with something to do in that theater. So the theater that has cars. Um, uh, what's that show called? The, uh, the Ben, I think you've seen it with, uh, with Lightning uh, McQueen in it. It's, yeah. it's very memorable. Um, yes, <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually not bad. That's the sad part. Like it is pretty cool inside there, but yeah, it's, it whatever. opened up in 19, uh, racing Academy. Right. Thank you. Uh, uh, it would need a, uh, it would need a facelift on the exterior. It's got the pan Pacific auditorium vibe right now. Yeah. So the exterior would need a facelift, but it's a functional theater. And I want to lean into some of the, uh, the the timeline of what I want to do for Wakanda is it will be set in Wakanda after T'Challa has passed away. Uh, so after Black Panther has passed away. And the reason why I want to do that is because I think that there's a lot uh, where you can lean into Shuri from mm-hmm. an attraction standpoint. She gives you a ton of options. As a character, she's an inventor, so she can essentially create ride systems or things to be used as concepts for the ride and it's very much in story with what she does and at the end of the first black panther movie they talked about opening up wakanda to the rest of the world so moving over to that sunset showcase theater i want to have that basically be a history of wakanda show where that's really the only place where you're going to see black panther and 
it's going to be part of the history of the nation of Wakanda to basically be like you are going to Wakanda and they are educating you on why they're finally opening their doors and uh, using Black Panther there to say that, yes, he's in the land, but he's not the focus of the land. The land is existing uh, basically in modern day, but it is a, uh, a country that was previously hidden to the rest of the world, but now you can access it. So uh, that's how I'm going to use that theater. Uh, I budgeted $25 million for that. And it's kind of a, a kickoff introductory attraction to it as well. I think, Josh, you did something similar uh, when we talked about uh, maybe a Galaxy's Edge expansion. You wanted to Yeah, do like I think I put Wars it model. in the Muppets, didn't I? Yeah, some, something like that. And in this case, I think even story-wise, it's not a – like the Mickey Shorts Theater is trying to introduce you to the Mickey Mouse Shorts um, but there's not anything really story-wise as to, as to the why of it. But I, I don't think that's actually out of story for a Wakanda area. Because at the end of the movie, they're talking about opening up to the world and introducing all of their technology to the world. So that's exactly what I want to do here. Hold, so, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What the hell did you do to the Muppets, Josh? Where did I put that? I, I don't you remember. You son of a... What, <laughs> hey, you, you raped Epcot. The least I could do is put a more thematically correct uh, attraction in. I'm going to join E-Ticket. Bye. <laughs> um, so moving on with my Wakanda. Uh, rock and oh, roller Tim, coaster. Tim, Tim, hold on one second. Uh, your, your Wakanda build-out made me think of the Cars area. Yes. Uh, that I completely left off in my Marvel so okay. I, I I need to make one addition to my spot. That's going to be my Coco sing along. Okay, got it. <laughs> so <laughs> right in the middle of my Marvel Land is Coco sing along at the backside. So that makes sense. We're good. Yep. Okay. <laughs> you're so, you're going to have you're going to be one of those Imagineers that has a very sort of signature look. Everyone will stumble across a, a sing along and be like, "Yeah, that's Skipper <laughs> Ben's uh, <laughs> his touch." Yep. Can't wait to write my memoirs on all my. Uh, Sing-along build-outs. Chapter one, sing-alongs. Chapter two, <laughs> sing-alongs. There is no chapter two. <laughs> <laughs> See chapter um, one. So anyway, uh, Rock and Roller Coaster is getting a retheme. Uh, I think this is somewhat obvious, but the uh, Wakanda Maglev train uh, seems like it'd be a really cool retheme for it. And I recognize that the maglev train is not really going to have elevation changes or inversions. But again, <laughs> I, I go back to uh, Sherry giving you ton uh, a ton of options. The story conceit can be just that they've done updates to the trains or something goes wrong, whatever it may be. If the ride is fun, nobody's going to give a shit. Just uh, replace it all with just a flat stretch of track. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, wait, a, wait a second. You made fun of my, my plan there. Tim's. Imagine your memoir is going to be if the ride is fun, nobody will give a shit. <laughs> the story That's a of Tim approach to things, so I don't really care. Um, Honestly, but, uh, that simple ideology could have prevented a lot of tragedy in these parks. This is this is what I wrote here. Said story conceit is they've done some updates to the train. Doesn't make a ton of sense that it changes elevation, but whatever. If it's a fun retheme, no one really cares. There aren't really elevation changes on Tron either. Fifty million dollars. That's how I wrote it out. Uh, so you're welcome, people. That was the amount of thought that I put in here. But um, <laughs> if you want to sell the concept of it being a maglev train, you're going to have to do some manipulation to the load unload, especially the lighting. Um, but I don't think that's that difficult a, uh, a task here because so much of the ride is already in the dark. Um, and the other thing that I thought about here, because this is going to be a rough transition going from 
uh, uh, Sunset Boulevard, as well as, uh, I guess, Hollywood Boulevard to Wakanda. But I thought you could possibly use the Hollywood Hills transition as a component to it, uh, much in the same way. I think, Ben, you've suggested this in the past for one of our transition, for one of your transitions, where you have like one side of rock work be themed to whatever it's facing and the other side be themed to the other uh, thing yeah. it's facing. Uh, they do it over in Cars Land and Paradise Pier over at California Adventure. So, like, have one side of rock work be the Hollywood Hills transition as kind of a backdrop to Sunset Boulevard and then the uh, opposite side of that could be Wakanda relevant. So, uh, Rock and Roller Coaster is getting a retheme to be part of Wakanda. Uh, and then the two additions to the park, as I guess the Black Box ride is a replacement for Star Tours. Um, I want to do an Omni Mover uh, around Shuri's laboratory. So she's opened up her lab to show off her technology. Uh, This can just be a special effects and practical effects uh, driven attraction. Uh, Because it's an Omnimover, not going to have a height requirement. Um, This is, I would say, designed to be like a solid D ticket with a $150 million budget. Um, But just kind of a a technological showcase. It's a passive experience. Um, But Shuri is showing off the various things that she can do and... Uh, kind of leaning into what uh, what they said at the end of the movie, where they want to open up Wakanda to the world. So she's really doing that. And then it, it is a Disney ride, though. So at some point, will something go wrong, or will Shuri's mom die? Uh, no. And I think I'm going to look at the Pandora approach to things, where you don't have uh, that. You're looking at. <laughs> I actually I thought about that about like having something go horribly wrong. Um, but I, I want to look at Wakanda. Do you ever as, almost get hit by a train and go to hell? <laughs> no, no, that also doesn't happen. Okay. But no, I I really kind of want to take the Pandora approach to it, where the something goes horribly wrong side of things. I don't really like it. Like the reason why. Uh, Black Panther did so well. There there are many reasons why it did so well. But one of the things was that people wanted to go to Wakanda. So let's take them to Wakanda. Take them to the things that they wanted to see. They wanted to see – it was empowering to see uh, black men and women do things that were uh, as impressive as they did in that movie. And Shuri was uh, one of the uh, primary motivators and drivers of that. So uh, I'm leaning into that with her laboratory. And she's also going to play a role in what I was coming up with for an e-ticket. But I also – Similar to how Ben uh, just said, I got $100 million for a Star Wars attraction. Uh, I could be convinced of a different type of Wakanda attraction, but I would use the Pandora uh, simulator ride system. And in lieu of it being Falcon's flight, like Ben was going to do, uh, I was going to have it be a, a flight around Wakanda using the flight simulator that Agent Ross used in, in, Pla- in Black Panther, um, but a larger scale version of it. It'll be controlled by Shuri. And she'll basically give us a tour of the area. Um, she's created a vehicle for us. Uh, goes through Wakanda. Uh, the other thing I thought of, and I just I couldn't come up with a concept that would work, would be to do something with Adora Milaje. Um, if there was a attraction concept that somebody had uh, around them, that would be another option as well. Uh, and then I figured another twenty-five to fifty million dollars of uh, overages on top of my three hundred million dollar e-ticket budget. Uh, would cover the rest of Wakanda as well. So uh, I think all in, I had my Wakanda budget at like five fifty to six hundred million, which includes retheming of the show, retheming of Rock and Roller Coaster, and two attractions. So um, I like it. All right. Yeah. yeah. And again, this is one of those where I was talking about with the, the Sam Wilson. Marvel did a lot of interesting things with characters, and and 
back then. One of them in the comics was making Shuri, the Black Panther. Uh, yep. You also had the late Lady Thor. You had Sam Wilson as as Captain America. Uh, I don't think that was by accident. I think there was some yeah. strategic stuff done there. So, you know, you very well could have that area, especially if Shuri does become the Black Panther in the movie, like a lot of people uh, are anticipating. Right. That you could call this a Black Panther land because in the contract, it probably refers to the T'Challa character of Black Panther. And, and that's, that's who was an Avenger. And yep. And I mean- so Shuri, if you base this around Shuri's Black Panther, you easily could call this. Uh, and, and have her in there, have her be the Black Panther, uh, and not just have to kind of skirt around it and just only call it a Wakanda section. I think you you could do something uh, using the actual character itself. So, I mean, I, I chose Shuri for the uh, legal side of things as well, but I also think when they've done the video montages um, in, in Great Movie Ride, they they acquired the rights to use actual film footage and when you're doing a history of Wakanda attraction uh, with Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, you have to use film footage. That is your only option right now. Um, so it may be a situation where that is an easier negotiation as well. Uh, it wasn't the driving force. And we, when we were discussing Hollywood Studios as the likeliest destination for us to put uh, Marvel, we wanted to not restrict ourselves as much as we have previously, but I still had that uh, kind of grounded in reality uh, mindset when I approached it. So um, all in, I came in around 900 million um, timeline. I wanted to start construction on Wakanda in like 2024, 2025 with an opening in the middle of our long standing uh, run of 2027. I had the smaller scale replacements for Frozen Singalong and Mickey Short in 2029, 2030. And then I had a Mary Poppins replacement in 2032. So I gave that a 10 year run as well. Uh, as I said, I definitely like the idea of using these theaters for, you know, five to 10 year runs for shows. But I also really like Ben's idea of uh, having the production side of things, especially over in the Mickey's shorts area and, um, frozen sing-along area to be a uh, a conceit as well so i would absolutely give up my uh more theater show uh for relevant ip in favor of integrating that relative ip into a longer format show where you have guest interaction so um man you're conceding that i had the better ideas again this is awesome just just your smallest idea that's all oh, okay okay <laughs> I would absolutely, and nothing against Incredibles. I would just much prefer Wakanda Land than an uh, Incredibles area. But uh, that's just well, me. I like, I, I like to deal in reality, and you like to deal in make believe. So got that's it. Cool. Got it. <laughs> so uh, speaking of, uh, of of believing in make believe, this is that transition doesn't make any sense. But Josh, what do you have? <laughs> that was a funny transition since I'm the one that really doesn't care about fiction very much. Um, okay, so I think as usual, we're pretty much on the same page, at least in terms of. What needs to happen? How we get there is going to be a little different. Yep. The the first thing that I'm going to do is make some infrastructure changes. Nothing crazy though. I am. We've already got Skyliner service there uh, to the studios now, which I think is good. Um, You're going to put in a real maglev train, aren't you? Nope, not even. I was. <laughs> I, I would love to add monorail service. That's sort of my like uh, you know stretch goal, uh, and I did have it on here, but I'm really trying to address a specific problem here, which is that scholars. Cur- Currently, yeah. Currently, the parking lot takes up a bigger footprint than the actual theme park does. Okay. So one uh, sort of tried and true way to re- 
reduce the footprint of parking is to go vertical. So there was a plan to do that at that park. It, I mean, it doesn't make any sense not to, honestly, especially when you look at where the, uh, what is it, the Star Wars Hotel, the, what do they call it, the Galactic uh, Star Cruiser, yep. Yeah. Star um, Figment. That basically is right up against a parking lot right now. So yep. there, there's a lot of gain to be had by, even if you didn't eliminate all of the parking lot, just eliminating a lot of it and going vertical. It's a studio themed thing. So you can almost get away with a visible parking structure from some parts of that park that you couldn't in others. <laughs> you can in Toy um, Story right now. There's a yeah, parking exactly. <laughs> There's a parking garage right behind it. Yep. Um, so that's the first idea. But the overarching goal here is really in line with what you guys both said, which is I want to take it back to what the roots of that park were supposed to be. And, that's why I kind of laughed at what Ben said about how he loved what the park was when it first opened. Um, and I think what he meant was he loved what it was pretending to be when it first opened, mm-hmm. which is the idea of production. And I actually think that technology has changed to a point where it's much easier to do that now than it is the, or than it was back then. And since Ben wanted to inject IP all over Epcot, I'm going to inject some edutainment into the studios. Okay. Uh, and I think it's really easy to do because one of the are you really putting remar- in a Brazil pavilion? I am not. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be waxing. Uh, <laughs> one of the changes that's really happened over the last thirty or so years is that the production of a you know of, of a film that is of professional quality used to be solely the province of Hollywood. They, they were the only people that could do it. Right, and with the you know, the uh, penetration of computers into society and, and even into, you know, beyond first world countries where a very a shockingly large percentage of the population has access to significant computing power now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot that can be done just by one person with a computer who has a good idea. Um, so I want to bring some production back to the studios in the form of the digital part. You know, so we're not talking about necessarily having to shoot, um, you know, not talking about first unit stuff or second unit stuff here, just the digital part, um, the creating of worlds and the creating of, of environments and things that happen digitally. That's already taking place in a very sort of disjointed way where these people are not on location. And I think with COVID, I don't know what that really did to the, to the movie production world, but I, I imagine it had to drive remote working to a higher level than it's ever been at before. Probably. So I would, I would bring that into the park, show people what's capable of being created by people just with a good idea in a computer and then have some hands-on experience maybe with some training. And I was thinking sort of some corporate alliances here, companies like Adobe and Apple that have a big, uh, they, they serve creative markets very heavily. Um, let them expose people to their products and their tools so that these young people that are walking around with good ideas in their head now feel like they have an outlet where they can turn that into something real. So that's my way of bringing some production to the studios without necessarily running into all the logistical problems that would occur with doing it. Because, um, I just envision like the animation tour, but it's a bunch of people on computers playing solitaire. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Minesweeper. I mean, you know, we'll have some variety in there. That man is playing Galaga. Um, <laughs> I um so that that's you know, if you think back to when Eisner built this park, my understanding of history is it was basically sort of a knee jerk reaction to Universal going in 
you know, 12 miles down the road. If you ask him that, he won't say that, but yes. No, (laughs) but I mean, if you just take a look at Google Earth at where that park is, the idea that that was going to be a functioning studio that would have to have traffic going in and out of it is absurd. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. no way in the world that that would be where you would build this just for logistical reasons. So, um, but I think now maybe there's an opportunity to bring some of that back and have it be legitimate. Mm-hmm. So that that's my first idea. Okay. Um, the second thing I had you both hit, um, which is the black box concept. Now that we have some room, what I really hope to do is let studios be what I think it is organically suited for, which is being a pressure relief for the company wanting to put IP-based attractions into a theme park yeah. without having to shoehorn them into larger spaces where they don't really fit. <laughs> Frozen. Very um, well said. That's that's effectively what I want to do with a, a cycling uh, line of theaters as well as a black box. Yeah, Exactly. And I'm glad you had the word cycling in there because I actually have this in my notes. I think this is an opportunity to do something that is really unique in the world of theme parks which is to put an attraction in from the beginning with the intention that it's going to be relatively short-lived. Mm-hmm. That isn't something that we traditionally see in theme parks because when you're dealing with rides that have a lot of uh, you know, tracked infrastructure and practical effects and animatronics, the costs involved just make that prohibitive. Um, but since – Universal and Disney alike both really like using screens. And I think Tim did a, or Ben did a good job of maybe defending that and suggesting that there's a future there beyond what we've seen. Um, if the idea is to have a more transient, almost, I don't want to use the word world's fair because that's not right, but, you know, just a more ephemeral ride experience, which is still of a really high quality, something more than a simulator like you see at the mall or at Star Tours, but something less than, you know, a traditional e-ticket that is built to last 30 years. Um, and I could see having multiples of those. Maybe you have three or four of those soundstage like buildings, which you say, yeah. that's what they are. You could, I mean, it's, it's Chester's and Hester's, but it's real. Like mm-hmm. you could say this, the idea here is for us to, uh, experiment with IP and to, you know, we're providing you with this opportunity to experience this world that maybe it's a movie that's not even out yet. You know, there's no reason that the film has to be the prelude to the ride. It can be the yeah, other way around. Sure. Um, and that certainly becomes more doable when the budget involved isn't necessarily, you know, several hundred million dollars. Um, right. So, you know, as far as what those would be, I don't know. Um, but that's sort of the idea is that what you're really investing in here is the, you know, the substrate upon which to build these things. We're just trying to build an awesome canvas that's accessible to guests that has all of the resources there to put uh, attractions in and out of it. And I mean, I think some obvious things there, trackless ride systems seem to me that they would lend themselves very well to that. Right. Maybe you have a lot of practical props and effect that's, that's part of a tour. And these, you know, whether it be facades or trees or vehicles or whatever, you have a, a fleet of these things that you – you know, you mentioned this too, you, you acknowledge it, right? Instead of trying to hide it and say, oh, you know, pretend that this is a one-off attraction, you say, look, this is this big resource of things that we have to plug into this space. And then you let people go into those spaces and, and see what you built with that. I, mm-hmm. I think that's fine. And you, you can't do that at Magic Kingdom or Epcot, really, but you can do that here. So why not do that? I mean, Hollywood does this. I mean, you think of Hill Valley, you know, the, the clock tower. I mean, that is yeah. a downtown area that's been in probably 50 movies. So it's not like they're being disingenuous to the film industry by recycling 
um, the, the visuals there. It's, it's, the, and I think uh, that, I'm sorry. trying to cut you off the, it, going to back cool. to the future when, when Biff is walking in 1955 and throws a ball into, uh, like a, an area of a house where kids can't get it anymore. I swear to God, I've seen that house. And as you said, 50 different movies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you probably have. Yeah. And the reason it doesn't matter is because of the story. Yeah. Uh, as the least creative person on the show, I think, and it's certainly the one who's least, the least interested in fiction, I still truly believe that. I think that escapism is really powerful. Most people have a lot of stress in their lives. And in one form or another, we all like something that can distract us from the realities of the real world. And when we get into that mode where we've decided to suspend disbelief, we, we're not really bothered by the fact that you recognize that house or that you recognize that clock tower. And right. I, I think in the same way, if you have a compelling story, which is Part of what you're going to be trying to figure out, if this is the beta test for what might be a feature film, then the fact that you know, nobody's going to say, I recognize that pine tree. You know, you recycled that for the black box ride that was here the last time I visited. Nobody cares. It's just, you know, is the story compelling enough to justify sinking the mega amounts of money that are, that isn't going up every year, uh, to produce what is, you know, a triple A title. Right. Um, so that's that. Now I have a couple of sort of jokey things here, but I actually do have, did you have a location a, uh, for the black box theater at all or no? Yeah, I would put it. So if you look, it's basically to the south of Star Wars Galaxy is where that it's it's a little problematic because there's a parking lot now, but we talked about addressing that. I don't really know how ingress and egress to the Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel is planned. Can you use um, smaller words, please? I know there's <laughs> only two syllables, but you, know. I don't you, know you also said uh, ephemeral, and I think half of our listeners heard effeminate, and they're just very confused. So <laughs> They're writing right now. <laughs> it's a sexist term. <laughs> yeah. Um, so without really knowing how that's all going to play out, I don't know, but I do know this. If you opened up at least 50% of the parking lot space that's there, not only do you have a lot more new space, but you have a lot more new space that is largely obscured from the boundaries of the park because right. they were already trying yeah. to obscure the parking lot. So you get a little bit of a freebie on that one. Um, I would say it would have to be toward the southern end of the property because as you go more toward the north, you've got the Skyliner and all that. And that's probably not the place to do that. Um, I think you're looking like southeast and perhaps doing yeah. like the Indiana Jones treatment where you just do a long queue to get to it. Yeah, exactly. I mean – If you're not eliminating Star Tours, you're putting it in that area. Yeah. And let's face it. The pathway situation in this park has never really been great. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think it's any worse now than it's ever been. It's probably a little bit better in some regards, but you can definitely, uh, you know, people make fun of Animal Kingdom for that. I think I think Studios is way worse. It's sort of being a, a Animal Kingdom you, you is know, logical. Studios is not. It's definitely not logical. I mean, just looking at it from the air makes that abundantly clear. My biggest um, complaint right now with Pathways in that park is that they dead end Pixar Place as opposed to making another Galaxy's Edge entrance. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So, All the other ones have been there for too long for me to complain about them at this point. I don't have a whole ton of a lot more other than that I think the opportunity that they're missing is not to focus solely on making great big lands. And that's sort of why I interjected okay. when you talked about the island that towers on and rock and roller coaster. It's like, you know, again, if you were to go to a real movie studio – they would have lots of different productions taking place very close to each other. Like that's sort of the idea. And I really, really, really am a big fan of placemaking in Epcot and Animal Kingdom and in Magic Kingdom. But here, I almost want them to not fair. do it. 
because it, it gives them license to do things they can't do otherwise. Property and IP is what this is all about. There's lots of good IP out there that don't warrant building a you know billion dollar land, but are worth putting in. And you know everyone's going to have different opinions as to what that is. Like I said, mine are kind of jokey, but I would build like an office space area. You know, mm-hmm. have a tchotchkes and a flingers and sell pieces of flair. You know? <laughs> I'd love it. Uh, but going, I mean, I know you're mentioning it in, in, in somewhat in jest, but... I even have a uh, ride. The swing line swings. Okay, <laughs> sure. Why not? Why not? <laughs> I'm spending some... I got a billion dollars burning a hole in my pocket here. <laughs> so the office space build out. Um, the, what if we, we were talking about the um, uh, Secret Life of Pets attraction a few episodes ago. And how they took what is an underwhelming theme uh, as an elevator pitch, like you're going through an apartment complex, and did a really good job with it. So, <laughs> I mean, I know you're you're making a joke here, but yeah, you could make something look like an office and uh, and and do it well. And if if it's fun, don't get me wrong, I love that movie, but uh, pro- probably not at the top of the list of no. theme park <laughs> attractions. And, and, and like a, it's yeah. a joke with a point. The point yeah, being yeah. that when you when you open yourself up to dedicating small unused places of, of, of land to something that's minor. Mm-hmm. I think that the aggregate, even though, okay, no one's going to be like changing their vacation planning schedule because of an office space attraction, Milton but Adams in the aggregate, good. those things, yeah, Milton Wadhams, yeah, squirrely guy works down <laughs> in the basement. Uh, you know, the aggregate of having 10 or 15 of those could be a really big deal. Right. And one thing that I've learned talking to people that are as nuts about theme parks as we are is that usually the thing that really gets them excited and, and wanting to go back, it's those little things. I mean, how many podcasts have we all done about little details of this park or hidden treasures of that park? It's everybody is going to go hit Galaxy's Edge, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But if you've got these little sort of out of the way things, and I think Universal nails this a lot, you know, with like diagonality, there's just these little little sort of, uh, you know, delightful things that you can stumble into, those in a weird way end up being the things that people really gravitate toward. Just like, uh, you know, we're all married. You know, it's funny to me that if I were we to go <laughs> – Well, not to each other. Okay. <laughs> just to clarify. Not there's anything wrong with that. Um, but, you know, if, if I went back to my young self and I said, here's what you really want in a woman, I would Which have- one of us is the ephemeral one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, based on weight, probably you. Okay. <laughs> well, that was that, that was more hurtful than I meant for it to be. Whatever. <laughs> I don't want to elevate your blood pressure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad. I'm laughing so hard. I can't talk. <laughs> this is all staying in. It's going to make you feel a lot more awkward. Oh, jokes on you. I'm not listening to this. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm crying. Uh, at any event. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I had one more land I want to put in, which is uh, the Letter Kenny experience. Okay. And I know that you guys haven't watched this, but you've certainly talked about things that I haven't watched. But this is a, a an, another example of something that just sort of came out of the blue that has a massive cult following. It's okay. a hilarious show that's basically about nothing. So it has sort of that Seinfeldish thing to it but it, it's all about these these characters and just and i know we have some listeners that like it because i get emails from them and i actually got a couple people that were saying they couldn't believe if i had to inject ip into epcot that i didn't go with letter kenny so okay. and i i think if i had to inject ip in there 
and destroy the park. This would certainly do the trick, but uh, certainly it would be better at home here. But there's a, a Modine's bar I would have in there, which is like a central location of that show. There, there'd be an ag hall, which would be exclusively for agricultural events. Uh, we'd have Bonnie McMurray's stage review. We'd have now, Squirrely as, Dan's Gene we, Boutique. <laughs> we've talked about like getting rights to intellectual property. Now, this would be pretty good. <laughs> have, have, have you like factored in the seventeen dollars it would cost to get this? <laughs> I actually, I've got Squirrely Dan on the horn right now. I think okay. we're going to have the paperwork done before the end of this episode. <laughs> okay. We can probably get the rights to a Letter Kennedy um, uh, theme park land as the budget of Marty Call Podcast. We, well, could, we could build that. We could build that in the cornfield behind my house. There we go. That'd be awesome. <laughs> So anyway, that's really all I have. But I, I want to just—it's it, ironic to me. I think I think it's ironic. I never know what it is anymore. After you really are in tune with what the kids want, Josh. <laughs> I I think the kids would love that actually. But I want what I want to do is get management thinking that certain parks have sacred aspects to them that shouldn't be infringed upon by giant black boxes or blue and green boxes like you have mm-hmm. at Guardians and Epcot and have them recognize that there are parks where those black boxes belong. Right. And it's been really, really – it's hard for me to figure out why – what drove the decision-making that's gone – that's taken place over the last 10 to 15 years as to where they're putting things where they've put them. And if we can, if we ever want these parks to evolve into something that's as great as they were when they opened, I think that's the one thing that the company has really got to do is really care a lot about destroying sight lines and interrupting thematic arcs with these little interjections that just don't matter because it seems like the only thing that motivates them or the main thing that motivates them is being able to tap into you know, the soup du jour, whatever the hot film of the, of the year is, they want, they want that represented in the parks and they want it so bad that they're willing to do irreparable harm to the overall story in order to get it done. And meanwhile, they've got this place sitting here that is literally intended for that to happen and they haven't done it. We talk about dilution of lands and ways to set themselves up for success so that they don't further do that. Uh, broadening land concept, broadening, broadening park concepts. And it's something that we haven't really focused on as part of any of these shows deliberately, but I think we've indirectly done it. And I think leading into the production side of things, as you said, by virtue of what production is, you can lump together things that are totally disjointed. And in that line, uh, and Josh's build out and uh, what Ben was suggesting and what I'm suggesting as well, you could have Indiana Jones, Muppets, Star Wars, and pick your latest uh, uh, Pixar IP all within the same general area and not have it feel out of place, both in story of the park, uh, uh, but also uh, within the construct of each attraction. It doesn't feel like it's out of place. And Hollywood Studios absolutely allows you to do that. Tim, yep. Tim's over here like, is Shuri a big enough character to build an entire land around? Well, that's on the do other pe- side. That do, doesn't do count. Do people like <laughs> them? And Josh is over here like, we're putting Letter Kenny land in. Yep. <laughs> you know what? If it's – I'm not going to be a part of a blue sky show and then put constraints <laughs> on myself. That's not what blue sky is supposed to be. So. <sighs> I'm looking forward to Sports Night Land when Ben pitches it next episode. I'm all hey. in on Sports Night Land. Sports you know Night what? is a fantastic show, but it doesn't mean that it all needs right. a theme park. <laughs> I'm going to inject one last idea here. Okay. I, 
I, I like trains. I've, I like turtles. I like trains. I, 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 I heard like it turtles. too. <laughs> to, to, to be fair, I heard it. Um, and I was just scrolling around on YouTube the other day, and I, I stumbled down I a like rat turtles hole. I like Turtles coming to our Animal Kingdom build up, by the way. <laughs> I stumbled down this rat hole of people who just follow trains. They video them. And this this one guy in particular who has this channel made a comment on there that I think is appropriate. Was this on com? <laughs> we should tell that joke at the end. Um, <laughs> And he was saying, you know, you probably think you're the only person who who digs trains, but he's like, I go to these places all these time, you know, all the time. There's all these people there. He's like, you think you're alone in this? There's literally hundreds of thousands of people who are into the exact same thing that you are. So if these shows, including were, Walt Disney, <laughs> if these shows had enough interest in them to get made and, and renewed season after season after season, Letterkenny has nine seasons. Mm-hmm. It's like. I'm not alone. I'm not the. It, it's real easy to to dismiss that because it's it has maybe more of a cult following and it wasn't you know a mainstream you know five hundred million dollar blockbuster. But the fact is, it's not. It's a small budget either. show that satisfies the needs of that budget from a uh, viewership standpoint. So it continues to get renewed because it continues Fair. to make money. That's that's what it. Let's let's call it what it is. Like you're not having uh, romantic comedies make five hundred million dollars. But if they got a $40 million budget and make 80 in the box office, you keep on making romantic comedies. Um, yeah. And that's why they, a lot of those have moved over to Netflix. Like stuff like that happens. You just got to see the, uh, uh, the, the location of that's a, is that a Hulu show? Josh? I'm glad you brought up our romantic colors because, uh, comedies because I, I was thinking of putting a gossip girl land in, uh, okay. right next to Star Wars. <laughs> Uh, it is a, I think it's on Hulu, but it was originally produced by, or produced and presented, I think it's called Chive. It's apparently a Canadian Hulu. You can only watch it at <laughs> gas station pumps. Uh, shell yeah, exactly. stations would show it. It's going to make for a perfect <laughs> land. It takes about 7,000 gallons to Then the they series. didn't renew it, and then they got picked up on the chilies to go, like uh, video <laughs> monitors that they have. Josh didn't bring up that he's turning Echo Lake into Dawson's Creek either. Ooh, That's a good I idea. Like <laughs> Katie Holmes before she was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So any uh, any other IPs that you made up that you want to add, Josh? No, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we shit on each other's points. Uh, <laughs> I uh, to to explain the joke because jokes are better when you explain them. Yes, uh, in our pre-show that. conversation, and unfortunately, it was before we were recording. I told the story of how I. Uh, uh, Accidentally defrosted about $200 worth of meat uh, the week before 4th of July. Uh, we have a local meat delivery uh, company called Walden Meats that go to local farms and you get effectively a meat share. And we uh, naturally went down the uh, This was way funnier hole. what he said. You told me it was called meat share. <laughs> I said it's like a meat share. <laughs> the company is called Walden Meats. Well, uh- let me just save the listeners some trouble. Don't Google it because it's not going to be it's not going to be Tim's butcher. That's for sure. But anyway, yes, we we went down a, a why is the meat spinning? Hole. If you have any questions, don't look up that either uh, or topic ideas. You can email us at martycalled at gmail You can also follow us on Twitter under the username at martycalled or join in on the discussions at our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash martycalled. That's where you can go to complain if you don't like the idea that a maglev train goes upside down. Uh, we would also appreciate our listeners bookmarking our Amazon affiliate link over on martycalled.com. Ben and I are headed to Disney World at the end of the month, and we need to use your money to buy each of us a $250 lightsaber. Uh, if you start your Amazon purchases through our affiliate link, you can help fund the show with purchases you're going to make anyways. Ben, where can we find you online? E-ticket you can report. Find me. 
I'm the fifth co-host. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at backside underscore water, and you can find my top 10 columns in every issue of Attractions Magazine. And Tim, are we going to keep the group chat uh, text message going while we're at Disney World, standing next to each other, just so we can rub it into Josh? That I think that's a great idea. Not- yeah, so we'll be like <laughs> waiting in Smuggler's Run queue, and we'll just do all of our conversations over text and include Josh. That's, that'll be fun. Blocking you guys hey, right you now. You want to buy the shirt, and it'll be the Epcot Forever T-shirt. <laughs> Got it. Are we holding hands during Epcot Forever? Or you might as well. Okay, I'll be in another park. Yeah, it's a good call. Uh, Josh, when are the meat chair shirts going to be available? <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. What was the one I was supposed to make last time? Oh, the shitting on a hydrolator. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I've got some work to do. Yes, you I'm do. Gonna go, I'm going to go to the studios and uh, fire up Adobe Photoshop well, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, pound out some IP. And Josh attempts uh, if the ride's fun, people won't give a shit. Right. Quote. Yeah, exactly. Well. <laughs> this is words of wisdom. I don't know why you guys are crapping on it. No, I agree with it. That's a show title right there. Why are you, why are you guys crapping on it? <laughs> <laughs> you tell right. the doors with a 1-0. Yep. Two, do- two O's. <laughs> Go see Letter Kenny. You'll know what I'm talking about. And you can find me at WDW Theme Parks on Twitter, www.themeparks.com, and uh, not on eTicket Report. Have a good one. <laughs> you got kicked off your own show. <laughs> Come on, kitten, I won't tell anyone. Oh, Peter Patter, let's get at her.